0: The church, brothers and sisters, has always found itself navigating the difficult waters of a sinful world. She's always been trying to figure out how the Bible has bearing on the challenges and struggles of everyday life. You know, because we are removed from the context of the early church, we we often forget that our brothers and sisters lived in a world full of turmoil. It was a world full of injustice and brokenness. In in fact, one might be able to make the case that uh, the early church, our brothers and sisters, had it worse than the events that we face in our day and time. Brothers and sisters, the church in Thessalonica, we are told, received the gospel under much affliction. Under persecution, they receive the gospel. Here were these early converts trying to figure out how to live in a world that seemed to be crumbling all around them. But God, knowing their need, knowing knowing what they they needed, was was ever faithful, ever faithful in providing them what they needed what the church needs, what the church needs in turmoil, what the church needs in a, in a world that seems to be crumbling all around them, the church needs faithful ministers It needs faithful members. We see that in our text. Faithful ministers and faithful members. Faithful ministers of the gospel. There are two important aspects here uh, of to the faithfulness of Paul and Silas in their ministry to the Thessalonians. And and firstly, we need to take notice that faithful ministers relieve burdens, they don't create them. Faithful ministers relieve burdens, they don't create them. Verse 9. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim the gospel to you if you recall um, our study through the book of acts uh, many many months ago you you may remember that when paul met up with aquila and priscilla in corinth he joined them in their tent making business paul knew a trade and he sought to use it for the sake of the gospel paul was doing business as missions before we knew about bam (laughs) In this case, with the Thessalonians, it was, not, it was so that he would not burden them, burden these early converts with the financial needs of the ministry, which, which Paul would have been within his right to do so, as he, as he said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 11 and 12. He said, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Paul, Paul took the same approach with the Thessalonians and instead of requesting financial assistance from them, Paul and Silas, worked day and night to meet their financial needs. When they they weren't working, they were proclaiming the gospel and teaching the scriptures. And when they weren't proclaiming the gospel and teaching the scriptures, they were working. Night and day, they labored and toiled, the, the, the word says. They sacrificed and worked hard Did these, did Paul and Silas, did they do it because they were lovers of money? Was it because they wanted the Thessalonians to to think much of them, almost kind of showing off in a sense of what all they could could do? No, the text tells us the reason why they did this. They didn't want to burden the people. In other words they didn't want to create any barriers or any hindrances to the proclamation of the gospel. Sisters, this is so important to understand. If, If a minister is living large based upon fleecing the people and their excuse is that the preaching of the gospel demands they live in such luxury, they are not faithful ministers of the gospel. The gospel doesn't cost money. It doesn't demand that you pay the minister to hear it proclaimed. Isaiah 55 and 1 declares it. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. The gospel doesn't cost money to hear it proclaimed. Faithful ministers of the gospel, they don't burden the people financially or with any other hindrances. If they do, that is a telltale sign that they are counter, counterfeit faithless ministers. what gave the pharisees away matthew 23 and 4 jesus said this they the pharisees they tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger why was jesus why was jesus so upset with the pharisees over this because the nature of the gospel is that it is burden relieving, not burden producing. Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28, and thirty, "Come to me, all ye who all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest." for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus comes to release us from the burden of sin. Faithless ministers are about their gain, their profit. Faithful ministers are about the gain of others. And that is in keeping with Jesus. Jesus became poor. He became poor so that we might become rich. He bore the wrath of God so that we might experience his goodness. He became sin for us so that we might receive the righteousness of God. You see the the equation? Jesus sacrifices, we gain. Paul and Silas and not wanting to burden the Thessalonians, were simply imitating Jesus, sacrificing so that they might receive God's good news so that the Thessalonians could receive it without hindrance. Faithful ministers relieve burdens. They don't create them. But also, observation two, Faithful ministers live lives in accordance with their calling and call others to do the same. Verse 10. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. Brothers and sisters, a faithful minister must be an example. Paul makes this clear to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 12. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. This calling, this is not not a do as I say and not as I do calling. Paul and Silas lived this out so much that he called on not only the Thessalonians to bear witness to their conduct, but he, he called on, uh, on, on, on God to bear witness, the one who sees and knows all things. His eyes are everywhere watching over the good and the evil. He said they were holy and righteous and blameless Perfect? Of course not. But when you looked at their lives and how they treated the Thessalonians, how they conducted their lives and responded to the threats and the persecutions that were coming against them, you could look at their lives and they were considered blameless. You could bring no charge against them. You know, this ought to be the this ought to be the testimony of the faithful minister. They live their lives not only realizing that others are watching, but they live it before the face of God. They live it before the face of God. God is watching. You can look at their lives and say they, they are an example. They, they, they are following after Christ, and I can follow after them. Their their testimony is that inside the church and and outside the church, they're blameless. You can't can't bring a charge against them. There there are no smoking guns in their closet. you realize that that this is what disqualifies most ministers from the ministry? It's It's not often their doctrine. It is their conduct. The men who fall rarely ever fall because they are teaching heresy. They fall because their lives don't reflect what they teach. Their lives are not holy. They are not righteous. They are far, far, far from blameless. But not Paul and Silas, they could claim here and and, and, and call on the Thessalonians and God as their, their witness that their life matched with their teaching. Again, this was for the sake of the Thessalonians. They did not want to in any way hinder the gospel from spreading. Whether it was burdening them financially or living a life that reflected negatively on the gospel. They did not want any of this. And because they lived their lives in such a way so as to not hinder the gospel of God in their calling, they recognized their calling and took it serious, they could call the Thessalonians to do the same. Verse 12. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This, this walk in a manner worthy of God is a common phrase in Paul's letters. He mentions it to the Philippians. He, he mentions it to the Ephesians and to the Colossians. You know, he, Paul isn't shy about telling followers of Jesus that how you live your life matters. You're not free to live any old kind of way and call yourself a Christian. When God called you into his kingdom, he called you into a manner of life that reflects the kingdom to which you now belong. Brothers and sisters, you are in Christ. If you are in Christ, you belong in his kingdom. This is where your identity rests. And because it rests there, there is a manner in which you are ought to live. What manner of life have you been called to? Well, Peter says in 1 Peter 1 to 15, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Peter is clear here. Our conduct, how we live our lives, should reflect the nature of the one who called us. The one who called us is holy, and so we ought to live holy lives we are to imitate Christ in our conduct walk in a manner worthy of God but it's but it's important brothers and sisters that we remember the context in which this exhortation comes to the Thessalonians remember The Thessalonians receive the word under difficult circumstances in the midst of persecution and ridicule. It is under ridicule and hardship that Paul tells these Thessalonians to walk in a manner worthy of God. So how are you to walk in a manner worthy of God? Matthew 5 and 31, uh, 5, 39, do not resist the evil one, the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Matthew 5 and 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 7 and 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is what it means in the midst of persecution to walk in a manner worthy of God. Brothers and sisters, isn't that the challenge? Isn't that the difficulty? It is easy to live right when all is going right. It's easy to live right when all is going right, but how about when things start heating up? Injustice befalls you. Persecution comes. You are wronged. How are you walking then? Paul says to the Thessalonians, we urge you to walk worthy of your calling in spite of the persecution in the midst of the suffering. Why is that crucial? Because Christians respond differently than the world does. Christians respond differently than the world does. Our testimony speaks a different word. It's a a better word because it speaks of and it imitates Christ. I think I think it's God's providence that this word would come to us in the midst of the unrest in our nation. People are on edge. People are upset. And they are hurting. And they are angry. There are protests and there are, there are rants on Facebook. All oh, the exhortation comes to you, Christian. Walk in a manner worthy of God. We need to sound and act as those who belong to the kingdom of God, not to the kingdom of this world. Why? Why? Because we speak a better word. We speak a word that imitates and speaks of Christ. You know, faithful ministers of the gospel are needed for times such as these. They're needed. Faithful ministers are needed in times like these. The the, the money-hungry, unfaithful ministers don't help when people are grieving and, and sad and tragedy and strikes. They're not helpful. The church needs faithful ministers who seek to point people to our only hope in this world. They need to show people the love, hope, and peace that is only found in Jesus Christ alone. This is the word that we have. Brothers and sisters, we need to be speaking a better word in this situation. Christians, we, we need to walk in a manner worthy of God. We need to sound different than the world. It's not just faithful ministers that we need. The church, God's grace, needs faithful members. Look at verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. Brothers and sisters, to be faithful Christian to be a faithful christian in this world is pretty straightforward it's pretty straightforward faithful christians believe the word of god is really the word of god <laughs> you would think that is a given right <laughs> you would think that's that's kind of like that's just basic christianity that that that, that you believe the bible is the actual word of god do you know that this is one of the main reasons why people, why Christians struggle in their faith? Why they lose their way? Because they don't believe the Bible is the word of God. Not the Thessalonians. Not the Thessalonians. They, they heard it. Paul said they heard it. They knew it was not from men, but that it was the very word of God. How do we know? How do we know that this is the word of God? Well, just three, three, quick, three quick reasons that I, I thought would be helpful for us to, to look at. One, we believe that the Bible is the word of God because the Bible claims to be the very word of God. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Second Peter uh, 1 and 21, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Number two, we believe the Bible is the word of God because Jesus believed it to be the very word of God. He saw it as authoritative. Jesus quoted from it. And in John 17 and 17, he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We believe that the Bible is the word of God because the Bible claims to be the word of God. Jesus believed it to be the word of God. And hey, if Jesus believed it, then <laughs> I mean, I have no excuse. <laughs> Thirdly, because of its power, because of its power, Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of souls and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the Three, three simple reasons. Oh, brothers and sisters, there, there are several more reasons that we can list. The, the fulfillment of pros, prophecy, the, the uh, uh, authority that the, the Bible speaks with. We can, we can talk about all these reasons, but I believe that these three are compelling enough for us to believe that the, word, that the Bible that we read is the word of God. But just because you affirm that the Bible is the word of God, doesn't mean that you believe it as such. It's not hard to figure out what you and I believe. It is not hard to figure out what anybody believes. Our lives are a dead giveaway. They give us away. Our lives give us a... Way They reveal to us that we, that we often really just don't believe that the word of God is actually the word of God. For if we did, we would take what it says as commands and not suggestions. James says that we are to not just be hearers of the word, but we are to be doers of the word. Counsel and advice from fellow believers, pastors, and friends can be helpful, but we must realize that the final authority in our life is the word of God. All opinions and suggestions need to be in subjection to what is written in the Bible because it is the word of God. That's what it means to be a faithful minister. That's what it means to be a faithful member that you hear the, the word of God and you accept it as the word of God, not simply the word of men. This word of God is to be obeyed and it is to be, it is to be trusted, it is to be believed and, and believed that this is the means that God is using to change you, to change your life, to bring lasting change in your life. Paul had confidence that the Thessalonians had accepted the word of God because of the change that it wrought in their lives. Paul had talked about it earlier in his letter, and he talks about it again. The Thessalonians are changed people. There's just no denying it. The, The word of God had come. They accepted it as the word of God, and it changed them. As a result, the word of God, the word of God was working in them, Paul says. It was working in them. Do you, do you believe, brothers and sisters, that the word of God works in you? Remember, it is living. It is, it is active, conforming you to the image of God, sanctifying you, making you holy in order that you might live holy. Walking in a manner worthy of God. This is what the Bible works in you. This leads me, which leads me to the faithfulness of God. Faithful ministers and faithful members are the result of a faithful God. They are the result of a faithful God. Paul starts, uh, uh, says um, to, to start verse 13, we thank God constantly. Why is Paul thanking God? Why is he thanking God? For, because Paul realizes that all they are, all he, Paul, Timothy, Silas, all they are, all the Thessalonians are, are, beca- are the work of God himself. And he wants to give thanks. Paul realizes that he is nothing apart from the hand of God, the faithful hand of God. God is faithful, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And what is, the, what is God faithful to do? What is he faithful to do? He is faithful to supply his church with faithful ministers who declare the word of God, who live lives that match in accordance, who call others to do the same. And he is is faithful to provide his church with faithful members faithful members who believe that the word of God, the Bible is the very word of God, and they obey it, they trust it, they see it working in their lives. It's God producing faithful ministers, faithful members, helping them, teaching them to live in a manner worthy of God in the midst of a world that needs Jesus. Oh, brothers and sisters, God is faithful to his church. We have a word that speaks a better word than this world could ever speak, and it's Christ. Let's continue to proclaim him.